today we're going to dive into the life of Juan Santa Maria. From now on, I'll be calling him Juan because it's a little hard for me to say that, but I wanted to impress the girlfriend. As Costa Rica's national hero, he was born in the city of Elahuela. Juan's journey takes us from his humble beginnings to his heroic actions in the filibuster war. In this episode, I'm going to be playing the part of a Costa Rican person imitating an English-speaking person trying to pronounce Spanish names. Juan's courageous acts in his journey, a critical moment in Costa Rica's history, have cemented his status as a symbol of national pride, independence, and perseverance. His heroicism in the face of adversity made him truly a beloved figure, celebrated throughout the nation in various ways, including a national holiday. Without delving into the specifics of his life just yet, we can say that Juan Santa Maria's legacy serves as a testament to the resilience and determination of the Costa Rican people. As we explore the story, we're going to understand the impacts that he had on the nation and also learn a little bit about this beautiful country without delving into the specifics of his life just yet. I can say that Juan's life serves as a legacy and also as a testament to the resilience of the Costa Rican people. As we explore his story, we'll come to understand the impact he has had and also to understand a little bit of the beauty of the Costa Rican country. Welcome to Costa Rica. The Central American nation is known for its incredible biodiversity, stunning landscapes, and its warm-hearted people. The people of Costa Rica, or Ticos as they are affectionately known, are essentially part of the country's charm. They're very laid-back people. And honestly, if I had to compare them to anything else, I would say like the Fraggles of Fraggle Rock. They're industrious, they're kind, and honestly, just overall, adorable. Costa Rica is renowned for its stunning landscapes, which range from like pretty much pristine beaches, lakes, rivers. You got sloths, you got the cloud forest, Mount Verde. You have conservation areas and pretty much wildlife anywhere you go. You can hear birds, you can hear howler monkeys. One of my favorite animals, which I have never actually seen in person, is the famous sloth. Costa Rica also is kind of famous for the amount of protected areas it has. It's, it's got a huge swath of protected natural lands and rainforests. And in them, you'll find some hot springs, which are also they come off the volcano and it's just, if you haven't been, just go. So before we get into the story of Juan, we should talk a little bit about the history of Costa Rica. And getting back to pre-Columbian times, old Christopher Columbus. So pre-contact, you had three main tribes or indigenous peoples, the Chorotega, the Boruca, and the Bribri. My favorite is the Bribri. In 1502, Columbus arrives on the Caribbean coast of what is now called Costa Rica. So, you know, it's not long after this, the Spanish colonization begins about a hundred years later. Actually, at first contact, I think Columbus kind of moved on south at first, but eventually colonization made its way into Costa Rica and they did not escape white man's wrath. As a result, the region developed a little bit differently than its surrounding neighbors, but more or less 
And when it first was developed, it was primarily uh, notable as an agricultural society and also kind of known for their bananas and coffee at the time. Fun fact, people from Costa Rica think I'm weird for eating raw plantains. Costa Rica did gain its independence from Spain in 1821, along with the rest of Central America. After a brief period as part of the Mexican Empire and the Federal Republic of Central America, Costa Rica became fully sovereign in 1838. The country's history is being marked by relative peace and stability. I think actually right now it's one of the most stable countries in North America as of this year. Actually, it was listed as more stable than Canada, so that tells you something. Being a Canadian, I think a lot of us probably can feel that right now. Costa Rica managed to avoid a lot of the conflict that surrounded its neighbors and also some of the cartel violence as well. Though kind of in more current times with the movement of people by foot through Costa Rica, there does seem to be an uptick in crime happening. So into the 40s, Costa Rica had a brief, significant civil war. Costa Rica made the bold decision to get rid of its military. That's it. So since then, they are completely demilitarized, focusing their efforts on conservation, in healthcare, education, and also an overall commitment to peace. I just want to comment on something about the, the conservation aspect. My entire career has actually been in environmental protection. One of the things that really impresses me when I go to Costa Rica is just the way they've adopted protecting their green spaces. Even in development, you don't see a lot of old, older growth or more mature lands cut down to make way for lawns and, you know, all the problems that come along with, with that. So I just think it's really cool to see that. Although historical records and firsthand accounts of Juan are limited, we can piece together a description of his appearance based on kind of what available information there was. He was characterized as having a slender build with dark and curly hair. He had a strong, expressive face characterized by deep set eyes. He was described as being medium height and he had air of determination. His prominent feature was his aquiline nose, which lent him a distinctive appearance. As for his temperament, Juan was known to be hardworking and dedicated. Juan was known for his unwavering loyalty and patriotism. This was evidence in his decision to join the army when the call to arms was made in response to the proposed threat by William Walker and his filibuster forces. Despite the dangers and uncertainties, uncertainties of war, Juan was steadfast in his commitment to protect his country and his people. He was known to be somewhat impulsive, which likely fueled his decision to volunteer for the dangerous mission at the Second Battle of Rivas. But it was for the same courage and determination that ultimately contributed to his heroic action, actions and his lasting legacy and the national symbol of the Costa Rican independence. Mum was born in 1831 in a modest neighborhood, raised by a single mother, Maria Santa Maria. Not bad, eh? Juan grew up in humble circumstances alongside his two siblings, Maria Dolores and Jose 
Francisco. His father, Juan Santa Maria Rodriguez, had passed away when Juan was still young. As a child, Juan attended a small school in his neighborhood where he learned to read and write. He worked various jobs throughout his youth to help support his family. He did work as a sweets vendor, which I'm guessing is like candy. He was selling candy. I wonder if this is like code word for this guy was selling like rocks. Like this guy was a drug dealer. Like the original guy slinging drugs back then. I don't know if that was really a profession. Might have just been called a pharmacist. But, you know, he's out there. He's hustling. He's hustling at a young age. And then he starts working as a laborer at the construction of the Alawala Parish Church. When he wasn't doing that, he was picking cop. I guess that's kind of like the Costa Rican version of picking tobacco, like Stompin' Tom in Tilsonburg, Ontario. So it's during this time when he's doing these jobs and picking coffee, he picks up his passion for drumming. He would often be seen using coffee cans and whatever he could find to make some makeshift drums. At the age of 22, his drumming actually led him to join the military. He joined in the band and he quickly gained recognition for his talented drumming skills. He did catch the attention of local military leaders when the call to arms did come. As America and Mr. Walker and his filibuster forces kind of invading that part of the continent, little did he know that his skills, bravery, and determination would play a crucial role. But as Costa Rica was a relatively young nation, only getting its independence from Spain in the 1800s, it still didn't really have a national identity. And it wasn't, didn't have like a fully formed military. It's also great social inequality. As a result, this threat really was so great that it could have crushed the nation at the time. The invasion on their border or the potential invasion on their border is obviously on Juan's mind. As we delve deeper into his life, we're going to kind of see exactly how his role in the war came to be so memorable and kind of changed forever the history of Costa Rica. So the filibuster war and William Walker, this starts when he sets his sights on conquering Central American nations, creating a private slaveholding empire. He and his followers, who were so-called the filibusters, sought to exploit the political instability and the reason for their own financial gain. I'm just going to repeat this again. A government is benefiting from the political instability of a nation for its own financial gain. In 1855, Walker and his forces entered Nicaragua. Nicaragua entered Nicaragua, which was embroiled in civil war. He took advantage of this chaos and overthrew the government. Eventually, he became the self-declared president. Lovely. So with Nicaragua under his control, Walker set his sights on neighboring countries, including Costa Rica. Costa Rican President Juan Rafael Mora Porras recognized the threat posed by Walker and called upon the general population to take up arms and march north to fight against the filibusters. This marked the beginning of the filibuster war, which would become a pivotal moment 
moment in Central American history. This is all too familiar, actually, in 2023, what we've been seeing around the world the last couple of years and just reminds me of what's going on in Ukraine a little bit, where they ordinary citizens are taking up arms against a tyrant. Among the troops who joined the fight was our protagonist, Juan, the German boy from Alawela. The Costa Rican forces led by General Jose Maria Canas made their way to Nicaragua. In their path, they first encountered a small contingent of Walker soldier at the hacienda called Santa Rosa on March 20, 1856. The Costa Rican troops continued their march and reached the city of Rivas, Nicaragua, on April 8, 1856. This battle would later be known as the Second Battle of Rivas. The battle was fierce, with Walker's forces entrenched in, in a building near the town center, known as the Maison de Guerra, which provided them with a strategic advantage. Despite their best efforts, the Costa Rican troops couldn't dislodge the enemy. This is where Juan's bravery came into play. General Canas suggested that someone advance towards the enemy stronghold with a torch and set it on fire. After several failed attempts, Juan volunteered, asking only that someone look after his mother if he were to die. Juan advanced towards the building. He was actually mortally wounded at the time by enemy fire. However, before passing away, he succeeded to setting the Maison de Guerra, which forced Walker's troops to abandon their position. This contributed decisively to the Costa Rican victory at Rivas. Walker, Walker's defeat marked the turning point in the filibuster war. Costa Rican forces, joined by their Central American allies, pushed Walker's troops back to Nicaragua. Ultimately, the united efforts of the Central American countries led to the end of Walker's ambitions. Juan won the war. His actions at the Second Battle of Rivas were crucial in saving Costa Rica from falling under the control of William Walker. His selfless, bravest, his selfless bravery not only changed the course of the filibuster war, but also preserved the independence and sovereignty of his country. His legacy continues to inspire Costa Ricans and serves as a symbol of national pride and resilience. Okay, so here's the thing. There's some debate on what actually happened, but as I understand the real, real history with this part is that this guy, I'm not saying he's not a hero and I'm not saying that he didn't save the country from a really horrible person. But I was going to let you know, this is what the guy did. He sneaks up and he does everything that I said earlier in the, earlier in the podcast, but there's one thing that I can kind of seeming a little bit more controversial is that he burned everybody to death while they're sleeping. After the bloody barbecue at Rivas, Juan Santa Maria was dead. Now he's gone. I don't know if he burned up or not. I really don't know. But I do know that his legacy was on fire and Juan's story inspired generations of Costa Ricans to come. From statues to memorials in his honor, such as the prominent monument at LOL Central Park, to Juan Santa Maria Day, celebrated on every April 11th with a community barbecue. His legacy continues to be celebrated and remembered. The story of Juan, true 
testament to the power and courage of the human spirit. The spirit and resilience of Costa Rica endures to this day. The country is truly a, an example of what your money can do for good when it isn't spent on murdering other people. And there you have it. That's the story of one. And like they say, it takes one, no one. So thank you for joining us. And please join us again for our next episode. I'd love some feedback or comments. I can be reached at makingfunofdeadpeople at gmail.com.